first reading this morning comes from the book of 1 Kings, the 19th chapter. At Horeb, the Mount of God, Elijah came to a cave and spent the night there. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with a sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. He said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake... But the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Then there came a voice to him that said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. Then the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael as king over Aram. Also you shall anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And you shall anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat of Abel-Meholah, as prophet in your place. Whoever escapes from the sword of Hazael, Jehu shall kill. And whoever escapes from the sword of Jehu, Elisha shall kill. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. Let us join together and read responsively whole verse by whole verse from Psalm 85. I will listen to what the Lord God is saying, for you speak peace to your faithful people and to those who turn their hearts to you. Truly your salvation is very near to those who fear you, that your glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness have met together, righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Faithfulness shall spring up from the earth, and righteousness shall look down from heaven. The Lord will indeed grant prosperity, and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness shall go before the Lord, and shall prepare for God a pathway. Our second lesson this morning comes from the book of Romans, the 10th chapter. Moses writes concerning the righteousness that comes from the law, that the person who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that comes from faith says, Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down? Or who will descend into the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead? But what does it say? The word is near you, on your lips, And in your heart, that is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
For one believes with the heart and so is justified and one confesses with the mouth and so is saved. The scripture says, no one who believes in him will be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all and is generous to all who call upon him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how are they to call on one in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in one of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him? And how are they to proclaim him unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Holy Gospel this morning according to St. Matthew, the 14th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side of the Sea of Galilee while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but by this time the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning... Jesus came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come out to you on the water. Jesus said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. This has been the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. People of God, will you join me now for a word of prayer? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news Bring us good news this day, Lord God. Help us to know that your salvation is near, that faithfulness and righteousness have come to us, that you have prepared a way for us, and that way is peace, that way is rest, and that way is life. Come to us now by this word and by your spirit. Raise us up to be the body of Christ in this and all places. And guide us as you would have us to go in all things. All these things and all the things of our hearts we lift before you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I know that many of you are tired tired of wondering when this pandemic will be over and we can return to life as normal. 
whatever that'll be. Tired of going above and beyond to make sure every surface we touch has been sanitized and bleached. Tired of wondering how your kids are gonna safely be able to go to school without spreading this virus. Tired of wondering how you're gonna be able to continue working under these conditions. Tired of being tired. Tired of feeling isolated or alone and cut off from the people who bring us energy and joy and life in fellowship with one another and with God. If I'm honest, I'm a little tired too. And then a text like 1 Kings 19 comes up and reminds us that it's okay to be tired. When Elijah was told to go up the mountain, he was at the lowest point of his entire ministry. In the chapters just prior to our reading this morning, Elijah had been renowned and respected by all. He had parades in the street where people called his name, asking for a blessing from God, from him. Elijah had just performed a mighty act, calling down fire from heaven on this drenched bonfire in opposition to idol worship, demonstrating that the God of Israel is the God who hears the prayers of his people and bends creation to show his faithfulness to those who follow him. But this very act of faithfulness made Elijah a fugitive on the run from Queen Jezebel, who branded him a traitor, turning the people against their hero and leaving God's faithful prophet outnumbered and alone on the run in the deserts of Israel. Life was going so well. And now Elijah is on the run, throwing a pity party for himself, spiraling into a depression that leaves him starved, weak, and waiting for death to take him. He goes from being on top of the world to destitute and deserted, all in a matter of a few short moments. He believes that he has failed and that even God has abandoned him until the word of the Lord comes to him and says, What are you doing here, Elijah? I've been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with a sword. I alone am left, and they're seeking my life to take it away. It's easy to see ourselves in Elijah's headspace. I've done everything right. I've made no mistakes. I've done what is good and right and faithful. And still it seems like the world has it out for me. Everything I touch seems to fall apart. Everything was going so well. And now my luck seems to have run out. I am tired. Elijah's not wrong for the most part, right? He has been faithful. The the Israelites have abandoned God's covenant. They've destroyed the altars built before the Lord. Other prophets have been killed and executed. And now Elijah is the only one of any renown left. But in Elijah's lament is a little bit of pride. I alone am left and they are seeking my life to take it away. Notice the interactions between God and Elijah in this chapter. 
Twice in this reading, God asks the same question. And twice in this reading, Elijah's response is exactly the same. What comes between those two exchanges is a mighty display of God's power over creation. Yet even that doesn't pull Elijah out of his funk and enliven him to return to the ministry energized and ready to go. After their first exchange, God tells Elijah to go up on the mountain where he will experience the very presence of God. When God tells him to go up on that mountain and wait for a sign, within a short amount of time, heaven and earth move and seasons pass before Elijah in a wonderful display of power, all within a short moment. God sends a rush of a mighty wind, an earthquake, and a wall of fire. But the Lord was not present in the earth, in the wind, or in the fire. These displays of power were were intimately connected with Baal, the idol god who Elijah had conquered in the chapter prior. God sent these things Elijah's way to send him a message and remind him of God's magnificent power over creation above all false idols that we create for ourselves. But the Lord was not present in any of them, showing Elijah that God chooses not to work in those forces of nature, but in something so polar opposite and unexpected that it refuses to be ignored. A still, small voice. A gentle calm, the sound of sheer silence. A peace, a calm, a stillness that stands in direct opposition to the violent, chaotic fury of wind, an earthquake, and a fire. Pastor Christopher Davis, a pastor at St. Paul's Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee, and a professor of pastoral ministry and preaching had this to say of God's activity in 1 Kings. There are times when we need the rebuke of the storm, the terror of the earthquake or the purification of the fire. At other times, this may have been fitting, but for this occasion, for this level of need, God dismissed the extraordinary in exchange for the ordinary. Elijah was tired. He didn't need this great big display. He needed a gentle, calm silence. And then after all of this comes the second exchange, right? Elijah responds in the same way both times without wavering. His encounter with the divine does nothing to change his demeanor or skulking outlook on life. Though things can change in a short amount of time, we can't always expect our bodies, our minds, our spirits, our world to be healed overnight. Pastor Davis says again, one of the hardest lessons that we have to learn is that God is in the quiet. The gentle influences that are ever around us, working with us, for us, and on us, without any visible or audible indicators of activity. We must learn to listen for the God who is quiet and gentle. 
Maybe our failure to hear that which is quiet is what signals that which is catastrophic. When we fail to discern God in our health, God comes in sickness. When we fail to discern God in the stillness, God comes in the storm. Elijah was so wrapped up in his own head, his, his fall from popularity, his sense of defeat, that his work for God had all been in vain and his conviction that he was the only one who could do anything about the state of the world. You can see it in his lament. Elijah has forgotten the first yet most difficult lesson there is for us to learn as humans. You are not God. You are not in control. You can't make the world a different place on your own. And the harder you try, the more alone you will feel. But the truth is we're never really alone, are we? God tells Elijah that there were 7,000 people left in the northern kingdom of Israel who had still remained faithful to God, who would welcome him as a friend and continue to live as a people transformed by God's gracious promises. He wasn't alone. The things that we need to remember about Elijah is that in the moment when God calls him to participate in a great miracle, he's not really in a great place. But through the wind, the rain, the earthquake, and the fire, God was with him, guiding him calling him into the gentleness of a whisper against the backdrop of a maelstrom. God's power is not demonstrated in great, violent, powerful acts of creation, but in the softness of a whisper, the gentleness of an outreach hand and a plea to not be afraid of the world around us. It's okay to be tired. Come, rest. Though Elijah has feared for his life and run off on his own, feeling that he's abandoned, God still pursues him. God still comes near and God still says to his people, come. Come with me into a new world, into a future and a life that is defined not by chaos, but by peace. Come into fellowship with God. Come be guided by the comforter, the advocate, the Holy Spirit moving in and through and on us. I know you're tired. Come. You are not alone. I will raise you up. God saw that Elijah was tired and rather than forcing him to get up and get back on the horse and hit it with 110%, God offered him something else. The labor of rest. God essentially tells Elijah to get up and find your replacements. Raise up leaders who will be your partners and successors, kings and a prophet who will lead as God intended, going beyond Elijah's own reach beyond the height of his ministry and glory, to share the promises of God with a people dependent on others for all of life's needs. Elijah never actually anointed those two kings himself. His successor did. 
showing us that when we are tired, when we are lonely, when we are at our wit's end, God provides us with a people to help pick us up out of the sea of our own misery and bring us back into fellowship with our neighbor, that together we may worship Jesus as Lord and ride out the storm of life together, living and serving God as people transformed by the resurrection rest of Jesus. A lot has happened in a very short amount of time. We can't always account for tomorrow or even later today. There will be many times when we find ourselves at our wit's end, tired, hopeless, and defeated. God has not abandoned us. God has not forsaken us. God has not left us without a voice to follow or a hand to raise us up when we fall. Through wind and fire, earthquake, famine, rain, snow, and pandemic, God has been here with us, speaking in that still, small voice, guiding us by a whisper to grow in faith, build up community in Christ Jesus, and share the gospel promise of Jesus' resurrection. Just as God did not abandon Elijah on that mountain or the disciples in the sea, God has not abandoned us as we ride out the storms of our own lives. It's okay to be tired. God still calls us to come near. And I pray that we all have the ears to hear, the strength to not be afraid, and the courage to come down from the mountain and step into the boat, even when we are tired or fearful for our own lives trusting that God remains with us always. Amen.